Welcome to Global Questions by YDS, the podcast breaking down global politics for young people who want to know more. I'm your host, Emma Fabriguet. For today's Trailblazer episode, I'm joined by Joel Mackay. Today we're discussing how he got his job in Amnesty International as a strategic campaigns advocate and the campaigns he's run so far. So what I wanted to start with is for people that don't know you, so could you tell us a little bit about your academic background and did you see yourself going into the current field while you were studying? Hi, Emily. My name is Joel Mackay. I'm a campaigner at Amnesty International Australia. In terms of my academic background, I guess I had the pretty cliched view as a teenager that I really just wanted to do something to help people. Everything I was kind of doing through school and everything like that in my community yeah, it was really geared towards uh, wanting to help people, trying to make a change in my community. So pretty early on um, in my education, I kind of got stuck on this idea of wanting to be a doctor. But um, through school, I started to get involved in different community campaigns and kind of things around my town, uh, trying to make it a better place and kind of working with different organisations and with different people. And I started to realise the more I got into community campaigning, that I was probably more interested in the process of making change and meeting with and talking to people and figuring out kind of what they want in their community. So I thought I should probably kind of pursue that side of it. And with help from teachers at school and family and people I was campaigning with, I set myself on uh, studying law. So I decided to pursue law And I also really enjoyed writing and talking to people. So I wanted to combine that with journalism. So yeah, I ended up studying a combined law degree with journalism and international studies. Wow, that's an amazing academic background and really interesting to see how you changed from medicine and then geared towards law. So then I understand that you worked as well as an advisor to a federal member of parliament. What led you to want to do that? Yeah, so similarly, it's just this idea of wanting to make a change in my community. So I kind of landed on the principle that kind of all the societal or community or policy changes that I wanted to see or that I thought needed to happen, I was really adamant that this had to start at a community level, that we needed communities to be involved in the change that you want to see happen. So during the 2013 election period, I thought I might volunteer for a local candidate for parliament. At the time, I was actually working at the YMCA, which I really, really loved. Um, And that was also another role that I had where I was focusing on creating change with communities right across New South Wales. But I was definitely drawn to the, almost the glamour or the idea of working at Parliament House and being able to be there when the change happens and when the laws are made. So when um, the candidate I was volunteering for uh, won the election, he offered me a job and I was really, really keen to, to work with him. I really believed in him as a, as a person, as a campaigner and as a change maker. And I felt really honored to be able to help him as much as I could. And as a staffer, um, it kind of depends on the autonomy that your boss gives you as to how much you can do. Like at the end of the day, um, unless you're working for a minister, really you're just working very community focused. But I had the chance to work with lots of good local community groups 
and trying to get the money for their projects and everything like that. And I was particularly keen on working on environmental projects locally. The government at the time was rolling out a project called the Green Army, which was hiring people who needed a job into local environmental projects. So I was really keen to work on that. When you were working as an advisor to the Federal Member of Parliament, did you feel that you had an impact on the issues you're passionate about during this period in your career? Yeah, I definitely felt like I was um, having an impact, particularly on local matters. The member who I was working for uh, was particularly keen on things around the economy and finance policy. So I definitely um, assisted him with research and writing speeches and writing papers and briefings, going to meetings with ministers along with him. But I guess it was kind of a feeling of being involved in more of the bigger picture. So I might not have been involved in the small details of the government's policy, but what our team locally uh, was doing contributed to that big picture. It must have been a very fulfilling feeling to know that you're bringing value to the community and kind of the work you're putting in is being represented. Yeah, though it could get frustrating as well. So I was working for the government when Tony Abbott was Prime Minister and I was um, advocating very strongly for marriage equality at the time, um, running local campaigns and campaigns across the country. And of course, it was very frustrating to do that when um, you're actually working inside a government that's trying to frustrate that. And then, so what led you towards community engagement and social justice advocacy after working at Parliament? So I'd worked in Parliament for nearly four years. Um, As I said, prior to that, I worked at the YMCA, one of the biggest charities in New South Wales. So I thought just looking at my career and what I should do career-wise, I thought that I should try to get some corporate experience. So I was looking for roles for quite a while to, to try to get into the corporate space and really didn't find anything that kind of spoke to me, I guess. But then I found a role um, at Fairfax Media. Fairfax had just bought a new company and an app from New Zealand, which was all about getting communities to talk to each other through this new Facebook-style app. So I went and worked with Fairfax to get that app running, get it off the ground here in Australia. And a big part of my job was traveling around, trying to get community groups and organizations and charities on board. So while I found a corporate job, it was definitely very community focused still. Wow. And then, so can you go into some detail about particular social justice campaigns you've been part of? Yeah, sure. So I worked at Fairfax for a couple of years. And again, I felt like career-wise, I should probably spread out um, my experience and figure out where else I could assist. And I saw this role at Amnesty International advertised, and it was a government relations position. So focusing on working with campaigners to give them government relations and advocacy advice on how they can work with members of parliament better. So I applied for that role and I, I got it. I've been there for just over three years now, and I absolutely love it. I'm in a different role than what I started. I'm a campaigner now which is a more of a kind of a frontline role on the campaigns as to what I started. And there's probably two campaigns that I really like talking about. Um, one is what I call the Queensland Watch Houses campaign, and this happened in 2019. So basically, at the end of 2018, we were tipped off by some bureaucrats in Queensland that uh, young people were being held um, in police watch houses 
instead of being transported to a detention, a youth detention centre. So these police watch houses are basically just cells attached to a police station and they're designed to hold adults. And what we were hearing is that kids as young as 10 were actually being held in these cells alongside adults. So we kind of poked and prodded around to find some more information from the government, but their doors were pretty closed. They didn't want to talk about it. So I put in a whole lot of freedom of information requests. And what we were able to get through that freedom of information requests were the diaries of uh, social workers going into the police cells to work with um, the children. And from those diaries, we uh, were able to show that there were around 2,600 individual human rights violations taking place in these cells in just one year. So we used that information to go to the media and blow it wide open. And then we were able to work with government to make sure that this didn't happen anymore. So within a couple of days, the Queensland government had set up a new Department of Youth Justice to work specifically on this issue. And then within two months, there were zero kids in watch houses in Queensland. That's amazing. So would you say that then the media is one of the most powerful tools when it comes to social justice advocacy? It's a very important part of it. Yeah, there's probably a few different parts of it. One is this idea of community consultation and making sure the community is on board with what you're campaigning for. The other part is really, really good research. Uh, We wouldn't have been able to do what we did in the Watch Houses campaign if it wasn't for the freedom of information requests that we did. And then, yeah, the media is often your um, megaphone. And so where does um, petitions and all that play a role in social justice advocacy? Yeah, petitions are really important in, in the way Amnesty works. And they're important in two ways for us. One is just the pure numbers game of showing uh, decision makers or showing media or showing anyone who needs to see it, that people are interested in this issue and that they will take action for it. And the other way we use our petitions is they're a communication tool. So if you sign a petition, we know you're interested in that issue. So we might come back to you a month later and say, thanks for signing our petition. Now can you give your local MP a call and let them know that you're interested in this issue as well. And then when it comes to also setbacks, what do you think are the, what are the biggest setbacks you find during your career when it comes to campaigning? The biggest setbacks I find personally, though, is when people don't think the issue you're working on is as important as you think it is. So you come up with this really great campaign idea. You've seen a problem out in the community. You've talked to people um, about how we can fix it. You've done all the research. And then you go back to your team or you go to the media or you go to a local member of parliament and they're just like, that's not that big of an issue. Um, I think they're the biggest uh, personal setbacks, yeah. For your past successful campaign, how long did it take from beginning to end to get your desired results? It depends on what you're working for, I guess, but you need to be in it for the long haul. Nothing really happens overnight. In the Watch Houses campaign, we got instant results, which was good, but it was kind of the beginning of a long-term campaign that we're still working on now. Sometimes it's kind of a never-ending work on these issues. 
2020 has certainly been a chaotic year. So what do you think the implications of the current global political climate are for NGOs like Amnesty, as well as for young people looking to lead impactful careers? I think the biggest thing at the moment that's affecting the advocacy organisations is this global push from governments to crack down on civil society. So just within recent months, Amnesty International India was shut down. Um, They were shut down by the government just weeks after releasing a research report that was very damning of the government and the Indian government's involvement in the human rights violations in Kashmir and Jammu. We also see in the US, adversarial organisations are very much muzzled and the same crackdowns or pressures at least are happening here in Australia too. And also there's this kind of move towards secrecy from governments as well. It's something that we're definitely encountering here in Australia. It's extremely hard to get freedom of information requests through to the government these days. Documents that you do get back are often very heavily redacted. But for young people looking to lead impactful careers in this environment, I definitely don't want to be pessimistic at all. I think there's particular space for people to uh, want to make uh, impactful careers for themselves. I think a big issue which a lot of young people face is feeling like they don't have any power when it comes to advocacy, you know. What would your advice be to young people with an interest in working in social justice advocacy be? First piece of advice would be persistence. The other things I would say in terms of being involved in advocacy and particularly social justice or change advocacy is you really need to find a community for yourself. You need to kind of look at yourself and figure out who you are, what you want to be, uh, what you're good at, uh, what you can contribute, and then find a place for you to be. Embed yourself in that community. Give as much as you can to it. And then start thinking about from that community what you can change. So really understanding what change is needed and how that can happen. And you need to plan, you need to research, you need to consult but I think it's about really embedding yourself into the community and into the issues that you you want to make a difference on. For somebody that's interested in social justice advocacy, what are the relevant uh, academic studies that you think will help somebody have the tools relevant for that type of career? Yeah, so I feel like what I studied was extremely helpful. Law really gives you a good foundation of being able to look at how you can change things. A lot of the campaigners I work with at Amnesty and other advocacy organisations, particularly in the, in the refugee space, are lawyers or have experience in law. Um, my other part of my degree, journalism, is I do a lot of writing. I write, write a lot of letters. I write a lot of uh, press releases and um, letters to the editor and a lot of different documents and research papers and all this type of thing. So being able to be a strong writer and get your message across is an important part of a social justice campaign. And the other part of my degree was international studies, which obviously really helps um, me at Amnesty when I'm working on international uh, issues. And again, that's about the ability to understand the systems and how to make things change. I was going to say probably as well, like international relations and politics are probably relevant fields to study to kind of understand how policies are shaped as well. Yeah, definitely. Something that I probably wish I did more study in at university 
for this type of career is social sciences and public policy. A little bit more of an understanding of how um, the community interacts to change and how what it looks like for communities and uh, particularly vulnerable communities. If somebody was wanting to reach out to you and maybe to have more questions or learn more about you, where would they be able to reach you? Definitely really keen to have conversations about this and, and assist wherever I can. Um, and the best way to get me is by email. So it's joel.mackay at amnesty.org.au. Amazing. Well, Joel, thank you so much for your time today and good luck with all your future campaigns. Great. Thanks so much, Emma. Thanks for listening to our Trailblazer. Make sure to give us a follow so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you.